Hey everybody, and welcome back for another episode of The Overlay, a poker podcast brought to you by CCG Poker and Paramount Social Club in beautiful Houston, Texas. Hey Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing well, how are you? Um, I'm fine, that was very formal, I liked it. I mean, I'm doing good. Good, good, yeah. yeah. Weather's, uh, weather's changing. Yeah, yeah, I call it the reverse hibernation, so like poker players seem to go into hibernation in the summer. But then once the weather starts to get cold, just like the um, the wildlings fear in Game of Thrones, those White Walkers come out, and the White Walkers are poker players, and uh, they just show up. It's just cold outside. Bam! Here they are. I mean, yes or Never no? Did our, I think the first minute was going to be about White Walkers. Yeah, no, nah, me neither. But it is. It is. That's uh, what it's about. Sweet. Yeah, what are we doing today? It's poker season. We're starting to get into poker nothing. season. You, poker you have, season. I you like have something. Uh, last week we came out with um top six most difficult premium hold'em hands to play, uh, which is a mouthful to say. Basically, we picked, uh, and it's not us. It's an industry standard that we think is pretty pretty standard. Otherwise, they wouldn't call it industry standard. The six most difficult. Pocket pairs, hands to play in Texas Hold'em, and why they're so goddamn difficult. That's where we're at. We're at number yeah, six. I mean, we really just took the, the best six hands and ranked them on like easiest to hardest to play. Yeah. 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 Easy peasy. Easy peasy. They're just not so, so easy peasy to play. Easiest or the hardest? Hard, uh, easiest. Easiest easy. of the premium hands to play, which is. Couple of cowboys. Couple of cowboys. For some reason, I have tens stuck in my head, but tens are the most difficult to play. Yeah, tens are not easy. If tens were easy, I'd be a millionaire. Okay, tens are not easy. Tens are not easy. So that's the most difficult. So if you haven't listened to episode seventy-one, check that one out, where we discuss the six most difficult premium hands to play and kind of why they're difficult. For the next six episodes in the mini series of difficult hands to play, uh, we're going to do. Top to bottom, right? No, bottom to top. Which way? Which way are we going? Easiest bottom. to most difficult, right? So the easiest premium hand to play is pocket kings. Bottom, which bottom according to top sounds hard because you know bottom being kings, you think of bottom being tens, like right. I think that's really, why I'm having trouble. They, as we go up, they the hands become weaker, right? But they become harder, harder to play. Right, yes. somewhere the, along those lines. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Pocket Kings are the second best starting hand in Texas Hold'em. There is no other starting hand in Hold'em except Pocket Aces that are stronger preflop. However, just like Pocket Rockets, the Cowboys, and I'm air quoting, can also get you into trouble at the tables. Holy shit, if that's not the best, <laughs> if that's not the best description. Wikipedia definition <laughs> of Pocket Kings. Yeah. Who wrote that? It's like Stewie Unger wrote it out there. He's just like, I'm going to write for Wikipedia. It's great. It's a person. Uh, you know, I've said this before, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of colleges, they don't accept Wikipedia as like a source. I really don't want to talk about that because the difference. between Oh, yeah, that's right. This is a soft spot. It is because the difference between you and I, when I was in college, the Internet was not allowed to be used as a resource, not a specific website, not like AskJeeves.com or Yahoo or, in your case, Wikipedia. We could not use the entirety of the internet. Granted, it was a lot smaller in those days, late 90s, early 2000s. So to give you a little idea of how old Ken is, uh, 
Yeah. Couldn't use the internet. And then senior year, like first semester, it was like one or two like classes would like let you do it. And then by like the second semester. So by the time I graduated, like there were some approved websites that you could use. Sjeeves.com was not one of them, but like you could Google something and use like some predetermined websites, which I always yeah, thought like was really Lexus weird. Yeah, like Lexus and stuff that had like... Yeah, exactly, you know, like, exactly. Um, yeah. Now you like could like... Acclaimed, you still do like research on the internet, but like when you when you did the paper, if the, if the internet referenced a book, you needed to go to find the book and reference that book and quote that book versus like... Now the website just like, you found the book from. Right? Correct. All right, let's get back to Cowboys. Kings. Couple of... What are the other names for Kings. I don't know. That's that's it. Cowboys. I mean, uh, How, King Kong. King Kong. Oh yeah, King Kong's the thing. I don't call them that. I I just say no. kings or I don't even really say cowboys anymore. Me Couple neither. Cowboys. I don't think there's I feel like many that hands. Was an early two thousands thing. Yeah, I don't think there's many hands anymore. And maybe we can discuss this in a later date. But like, why nobody says those? Like computer hand. Like, and nobody says that anymore. Like, right? Like Sebastian isn't going to know what the computer hand no, is. No, no, he's nineteen. hundred percent. If you ask the new Gen Zs, are they even Gen Zs? Are they called like something else? I don't know. Pod Gen Pod weirdos. Yeah. No offense, Pod weirdos. Um. All right, Kings. Brandon, what, what, how do we play Kings? Where are we starting? Okay, yeah, where well, do we start? I, I think we're going to go, I feel like um, this whole entire series is more for the tournament side of things, right? I mean, I don't know. You're our expert. You I, tell it us. Is, it is. It is. We're, okay. These are really the, the six most difficult hands to play in, in tournaments, in MTTs. It applies towards cash games, or some of the theories applies to them, but cash game is its own different thing. We're kind of referencing from the start here that this is predominantly supposed to be the idea of it's a tournament. At some point, you need to accumulate all of the chips in order to win. Correct. I okay. mean, kings can be played, you know, in a, in a one sentence cash game sum up. Kings can be played any kind of way you want to play Correct. with cash games, and you can always buy more chips. So if you screw up, it's not the end of the world. It costs you one buy and not, right. you know, all, all your tournament equity. So um, I think in general, we're just going to start easy. I mean, anything under 10 big blinds, we all know what we're doing with Kings, right? We're fist pumping, shoving it all in. We're so happy that we picked up a premium hand with only 10 big blinds, right? Yep. True. Sweet. So no, no argument uh, No argument right. for me there. Right. I, I think that even the worst Colton players know that when they have 10 big blinds and they got Kings, it, it's Just time shove to it shove in all their chips in the middle and you know, yep. whatever happens. Hope for happens. the best. Um, also, a little introductory note that um, Kings usually have at least 70% equity against a random hand range, which is a lot. I mean, against a random equity. person's range, you're supposed to win this hand seven out of 10 times based on equity. Huh. Obviously you can, get, you can get outplayed and stuff, but like your hand has 70% equity against a person's random range. So nice. that's a lot of equity. It is. A ton of equity, which is kind of why this hand's not easy to play, but on the easier side of premium hands, because it just has so much equity. It's just ahead of everything. Right. Besides aces, right? I mean, and I think we'll just get out of the way that like the aces versus kings cooler situation is probably just like the most common. You just lose in Texas Hold'em, and that's just because you just lose. It's the most common because it's the one you that you just can't get away from. And we'll talk about some math a little bit later at the end of this about like when you can maybe fold kings or like what situation has to happen for you to be able to fold kings. But like 
a general rule is don't fold kings. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. You know, you never want to have like always and nevers in your poker strategy because, you know, some situations call for different, um, you know, measures. But in general, we ain't folding these kings. So how are we going to play them pre-flop and post-flop is really what's going to separate us from, you know, playing kings like a pro or playing kings like a fish. And we're trying to play kings like a pro. Nice. All right. So, where do we begin? Well, we did the 10 big blinds. So now we're looking at like a little bit more than that, like 12 to 20 big blinds where we, me and you know how to play this stack well, right? I mean, this is the stack where you're, you're going to find yourself. I'm flattered you would include me. Well, I mean, you know, if, if there's one situation where a semi-decent MTT player knows it's the 12 to 20 big blind situation, it's math, it's push push fold charts. I mean, we haven't looked those up, but I mean, in general, we kind of sure. know what we're doing in that area. So I think the 12 to 20 is kind of the range where if you want to try and limp, shove your kings, this is kind of, and this is all pre-flop. We're going to be talking pre-flop here for the first half, and then we'll talk about post-flop the second half. So, you know, you got 18 bigs and you got an aggressive table. This is kind of your, your spot to limp with your kings, if you're ever going to do it. So, I mean... Limp in hopes that somebody raises, then you shove over the top, and maybe they're committed because they had a terrible sizing, or you know maybe they were you know, they got nines and they can't fold it now, or tens because right. tens are hard to play. And um, so this would be if you're ever going to limp your kings, twelve to twenty big blinds is the kind of sweet spot. Are we talking about that, like in a specific position? Does like that change? No, obviously, I think we're. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. The idea is, I, I think we're we're talking about this is a little trickier position. play that you're trying to induce, like, uh, you know, somebody to steal, right? You know, you, you're 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 limping that you're weak and that you're trying to see flops with twenty bigs and connect and and then and then put all your chips in the middle when really mm-hmm. you're laying in the weight with kings and you go ha 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 I'm all in and obviously you know when we're just talking in general here and I mean. There's just so many variables in poker that we couldn't really get into the specifics. If we're on the bubble, if we're in the first hour, if we're at the final table. For sure. These are more just general blanket like situations. Obviously, the players at the table and and how much you're playing for and how close you are to the bubble and ICM, like all that stuff is gonna come into play. But you you know, this is more of just a all other things equal, here's what we're thinking about type of episode here okay so i mean yeah under the gun middle position somewhere in there you know the limp shove with 12 to 20 big blinds otherwise if you want to just you know open go to the flop try to get all the money in um this is where you know knowing spr stack to pot ratio which you admitted 15 minutes ago that you have no idea um what spr is um no. maybe we can do a whole episode on it i feel like we did a whole episode on it we did a episode on like um poker terms and that was definitely one of the ah. terms that we talked about so like that's a hundred percent true um so i mean in general stack to power ratio is just how much you have in your stack compared to how much is in the pot I again mean, your, and just to slow it down stack, here for a second yeah because i feel like you took about eight hits of red bull and then called me I'm, i know you're excited so that's good i am excited i'm excited yeah. i actually have notes i know like, this is nuts all kinds of normally stuff. we just wing it by the seat of our pants and we're like oh yeah spr and then i i i think it's professional bull writing and that's pbr not spr 
or PBR the beer? I don't know. I'm very confused. So this is your <laughs> Ken breakdown minute of just slowing things just down. Slow, slow things down. Just for slowing Ken. down for a minute. Um, you had mentioned earlier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give my ter- my layman's term, and I'm hoping it's right. Stack to pot ratio, where you were like, oh, hopefully a guy you know misses his stack size or his sizing bet bets. You end up going all in with your kings that you were laying in the weeds in that twelve to twenty big blind range, where you were hoping this exact scenario comes. The guy bets you can four bet. That's a four bet, right? No, I'm three, three betting. Bet. If you land, if you land, and then he opens, that'd be you three betting. Sweet, I three bet this gentleman. I'll get some of these terms right eventually. And then he looks down a stack and goes, oh, shit, I bet too much of my stack to where at this point, the stack to pot ratio, I am unable to fold, even though I don't think I'm good here, but I can't fold mathematically because I'm getting so much money, uh, right? That's the idea of like stack to pot ratio. The screw up you meant? You're close. Damn it, I was close. All right, give us the real reason. Well, no, no, you're right. But I mean, though, that's not really stack to pot ratio is more post-flop right it's okay. more it's not really the pre-flop that that would just be like your pot odds like you you've now oh, put okay. so much into the pot now your equity you know what i mean gotcha. like so you, you kind of mix so up you're me, right give me it's stack the, to pot it's ratio it's the same math right like the math is to get the answer is the same math but it's like stack to pot ratio is obviously you're going to get your kings all in the middle when the pot's twenty thousand and you have 10,000 left, right? Because mm-hmm. that's this, that's a 0.5 stack to pot ratio. Your stack is half of the pot, 0.5. The smaller it is, the wider you're going to stack off with. I mean, if it's 30,000 in there and you have 10,000, now the SPR is 0.33. If there's 40,000 in there and you have 10,000, now the SPR is 0.25. And as it goes lower and lower and lower, your stack off range gets higher and higher and higher because you just don't have that many chips left compared to the pot. Right. Vice versa, if you have 100,000 in chips and there's 10,000 in there, well, now the SPR is 10, right? Because you have 10 times as many chips in your stack than is in the pot. Well, you're not just going to stack off with kings instantly in that scenario because your SPR is 10 as opposed to our first example, it was 0.5. So understanding the concepts of stack to pot ratio is what's gonna you know you know help your game out and i I mentioned to you on the phone before this episode that a lot of playing um pocket kings correctly is having a lot of your other parts of your game set up correctly and without having you know a three betting range that that has more than aces kings and queens in it i mean if you're three betting only aces kings and queens it's going to be very hard to play your kings compared to when you mix in Jack-10 students and 9-8 students and King-Jack students and, so and other stuff like that. Balance. Because, balance, because then, you know, you're setting yourself up to get max value with Kings because the, the, your opponents don't necessarily believe you, right? Whereas it's a lot easier to believe an old 80-year-old guy when he sat there for five hours and now he's stacking all his chips in the middle. Well, I mean, seems like he's probably got Kings. So I'm going to fold Queens and save a bunch of chips. So SPR, and, and, and this means a lot when... When you have, you know, in this middling 12 to 25 big blind range where you're not short stack, but you definitely are going to be getting all your chips in the middle with a hand as premium as Kings, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be trying. And if you are going to go to the flop, you're going to be trying to, to build the pot. So the SPR is somewhere near or under one by the river where you can shove for a pot size bet. So you need to be, you know, sizing correctly when you have these 
these exact specific 12 to 25 big one stacks, you want to be 2.5 xing it pre-flop, and then you want to size it up. So if there's if you want if you're going to have 30,000 in your trip stack on the river, you want the pot to be somewhere around 30 to 40,000. So you can shove for that correct amount on the river to give them the right price to call with worse hands. Where you don't want to screw it up and you know you only have five thousand in the pot when you have thirty thousand on the river because now how are you going to get all your chips in right so that's that's spr in this middling range and i mean we're talking about a specific situation here but um it is important to you know understand your bet sizing and what you're trying to do with a 20 big blind stack you're trying to get all your chips in the middle with kings whether it's pre-flop whether it's post-flop how is the best way and path to get your 20 big blinds the in most out of this things correct because you're never folding so that's you know get that out of your mentality i mean we're trying to get our opponent to put in a worse hand all the chips on the river with 20 big blinds ideally it just happens pre-flop because you played great and you limped and then they raise too much and then you shove and they call with nines and you got your job done pre-flop which is all you can ask to do right. sometimes you're going to have to navigate through the flop turns and rivers and 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 actually win the hand you know with your skill so you need to understand what the spr is what your bet sizing should be and that kind of stuff to get the most out of your hand any questions i feel like i'm in a job interview yeah a lot but okay but i like it i i, I understand i've never thought of of I thought this was going to be more about the idea of like you were going to give me examples of when it was okay to fold and you just basically told me in the very short version between 12 and 20 big blinds there is not really an instance that you're folding the idea here is to get all of your chips in and and, and to get an opponent to call and however that needs to be so that needs to be pre-flop after the flop after a turn or on the river like the goal here is to get all my chips in and hope for the best not hope for the yeah, best. But. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, what happens when an ace comes on the flop and you have 20? We haven't really gotten into that part yet. We haven't really just, gotten to that. We're just talking in general. Right. And I mean, that's the goal. Uh, now, obviously, there's going to be roadblocks. Like if four spades come out, then maybe I slow down. Uh, there's an ace on the flop. Who hasn't played a hand. Maybe I slow down. Hours. Right. You got to correct. But it's in an general, our extremely goal wet board. Correct. And that's kind of the, the nuance, not nuance, but that's kind of the, the small stuff that we'll get into later. But in general, the override, the overall idea with 20 big lines is try to find the best path to get all of our chips to get in all of our chips in. No, I like that. I like that because I was I was approaching this in a I don't want to say a more negative way, but kind of in a more negative way. Like I was thinking of like, when am I going to get rid of these pocket kings versus your idea of this is like. This is the like clearly. Well, remember, this under, is the easiest hand to play. So there's no, a lot. No, I get it. I get it. Of the most difficult about it. Right. It's not the easiest hand to play. Easiest hand to play is what? Seven deuce. Well, sure. Easiest hand in this segment to play. You know what the easiest hand to play is? It's a, yeah. trick, it's a trick question. A misdeal. <laughs> not really. Okay. So zero to ten. Uh, you're just getting it all in, just yeah, jamming in there, in. jamming all in the there, 20, stick it in there. Also all in, but like it's a, not as easy. Like a 16 year old on prom night, and then on 12 to 20, the goal is still to get it all the all, all of your chips in, but you kind of you're going to do it a little bit differently, right? Like there's, there's a little bit avenues, different to ways to in. do it. Okay, well, let's kind of stick with the general idea, and let's get like 
20 big blinds to what? Like what? 20 to like 50. I think 20 to 50. Okay, 20 to 50 big blinds. So like either so like early now, in tournaments or. Yeah, or this is kind of a, a, a general stack, like in the middle. Like if you're going to take, let's reference the 120 CCG deep stack. Mm-hmm. I think like after registration closes and you come back from break, there's a lot of stacks in this range. You're yeah. not short by any means. You're not you a huge stack. You haven't tripled up and you're not the chip leader with 125 big Right, lines. but you started you're with 40,000. And, and you've you got, got, got 50,000. And the blinds 40. are what? Yeah, 4 8. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You get 4 8. So five, starting 10, stack has 50 bits. 6 12. I got you. So that after break. But again, registration is closed. Let's just say it's right. Re- let's just say registration is closed, actually, because uh, it just depends. Because a lot of the structure is the same with this kind of 40K stack. So, you know, registration might be closed. Um, you know, the blinds are still young. I actually think that to me is the most difficult time to play poker because. I I I don't know. I have a hard time. You're nowhere near the money, but you can't. No. And I can't think about it. And I have problems with betting because I feel like I'm a big proponent of not over betting the pot to start. Like I get it. I have aces or kings or one of these premium hands that I have no fucking idea how to play. But um, <laughs> and the blinds are 800, and it's like, and then I see people that are like, and I won't say who, like a specific person in the free roll that we recorded the other night or the other weekend, and. Like the blinds are like four eight. He's got thirty big blinds, forty big blinds, and he just like rips all in. And it was like one small bet. It was like somebody raised to like two thousand, like not two and a half, not even two and a half. And the guy just like snap all ins for ten x. And I was just like, what? Like I I did, I don't know. I'm very mad about that that kind of play. Well, that that's that's a mindset of I don't want to get my chips. I don't want to get my big hand crack but that's like really such a bad way of looking at it like let's not say like the word bad your, we're going to be positive okay. we're going to say that's well, not just, optimal it isn't i mean there's just so much better like obviously no, i agree pack to your king that's why i'm bringing it up because like, i have trouble i don't know how to do that because i don't want to be the guy that just snap all ins with 30 big blinds and i also don't want to i don't know how i don't want to lose all my money so I'm so going to get back to it. That was the Ken breakdown for a minute. Correct. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, I think that you need to be okay with your Kings getting cracked, like going into it, like, you know, have the mentality of not like, or don't have the mentality. Like I need to win a big pot with Kings, like, or I need to not lose all my chips here. Like, don't think of it in that inverse. Mm-hmm. Think of it like I'm going to do, what's optimal here with Kings. And sometimes that means I lose, but that's okay. Cause I did it right. And I know that's very like cliche and, you know, we're talking about mathematics here and everyone wants results in the real world, but like theoretical results are our results too. They're just not quantifiable, right? You can't see them. Hmm. They don't happen in, in, in the real world, in the tournament, when you lose with Kings, your chips are gone. You, you know, you can tell yourself that you made the right play in the equities, you know, you, you printed, fake chips and i'm air quoting here but fake chips don't do you any good in this tournament right no, now. no i but get it yeah you need to realize that those fake chips matter because eventually you're going to do it right enough times where you're going to get those fake chips in your chip stack so yeah that's that's what i have to say about that so you want it so the, the 20 or the, the 50 big blind range is kind of like the next important range and, and i still think we're trying to do as much as we can to get as much money in pre-flop with these hands. Um, okay. Cause again, I don't think we're ever folding for 50 bigs with Kings. No. 
So we still haven't gotten to a, a, a situation where entertaining a fold is even a question. So Kings are still too strong. We're still trying to three bet and then five bet all in. We're still trying to, um, you know, obviously we're not limping at this point with Kings. There's no, no need to limp with Kings. No need to get fancy. Mm-hmm. We're, we're putting chips in the pot because the more, remember we got 70% equity against the random hand. So us not putting chips in the pot is a mistake because, you know, we deny equity from, the, the hands that are worse than us and we gain value from those hands simultaneously because i mean if you think about it kings are so easy to play because there's so many other premium hands that you beat i mean you're smashing queens you're smashing jacks you're smashing tens you have ace king in a whole lot of trouble because they got three outs so that's why kings are so powerful because there's other you need like you always say you need a second best hand right mm-hmm. well kings give a variety of second best hands out there there's the ace kings that you're 70 30 against. There's the queens, jacks, and tens that you're 82 18 against. You know, when we, when we finish this and we do tens, how many premium hands do tens smash? None, right? That's that's why tens are so hard because now all of a sudden you're up against jacks, queens, and kings and you're, you're smashing all those spots. So I still think we're trying to get as much money in and, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to play for it all pre flop if we can. With fifty big blinds, um, okay, interesting. This, this, this is kind of the area where you need to your three betting range in general helps kings when it's balanced and larger, because this is the kind of area where a player will fold queens or jacks or ace king to you if you're putting all your chips in because they know you have them beat or know you have aces or kings here you, you don't want them to know you have a premium hand right there has to be some subject of doubt that hey i have queens here like some of the time they have ace kings some of the time they have jacks some of the time they have tens you know they're trying to justify the queens calling their head well when you're staring a guy down who's never put the chips in and he's been folding for five hours it's it's pretty hard to to convince yourself that they could have jacks or tens. So right. having a balanced three betting range will, will help you play kings easier because you're balanced. Does that make sense? Yes. Sweet. It does. For the most. So part. I mean, for the most part. I mean, in general, right? I mean, this is all in general. Yep. Each hand is, you know, you can't teach an individual hand because there's so many factors that we have no idea what's going on. That is up to you to be able to right. figure those out. So so we've talked about 10 big blinds. We've talked about 20 big blinds. We've talked about 50 big blinds. So now, you know, we've said, get them all in, get them all in, get them all in, right? That's kind of what we're... We're saying, well, now we get to like the 80 to 100 big blind range, which these are the kind. Can you give me an instance of when that happens? Well, A, it's when you're a chip leader. leader. No, no, I I would not have, that would not have been in my guesses. So I got you. You're the chip leader in a tournament. That's what we're discussing. Chip leader in the tournament or, you know, you're in a very large buy-in tournament. I would say like 1600 plus and you're in the deeper stages of the tournament. There's a lot of hundred. 80 to 120 big blind stacks there. So I would say if you're in the top, maybe, you know, one, two or three stacks in a CCG tournament or a Paramount tournament, that would be you. If you're, you know, if you're a top five stack, you're probably going to have around hundred bigs. Um, I would say if you're playing a large field event, you know, the top, 
you know, 5% of the thousand remaining will have this many chips. Well, that's 50 players in the tournament. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I'm trying to tear this more towards CCG, but you're going to be more in this situation. Like I was sitting in the main event with a hundred big lines for a day, you know? Right. So, I mean, obviously when you get to 10 Ks and stuff like that, the, the, you're going to have a lot more people with a hundred bigs because of the tournament structure and such. But yeah, but we'll say if you're a, a top three or top five stack in a CCG tournament, you're probably sitting around a hundred big lines, 80 to a hundred big lines. So in this spot, we can now go back to playing Kings a little more conservatively. And I don't mean more conservatively like limping or, or, you know, just like holding, obviously I'm not talking about that, but you, you can limp in, in with Kings. If you have like a very aggressive person to your left, or if there's, a bunch of people seeing flops. You don't really want to raise the Kings and then go five ways to the flop, right? That's kind of a nightmare. That's kind of the hardest way to ever play Kings is multi-way flops. The more people you enter with wide ranges, the harder, the harder it is to play. Because it's still just a pair. You want to be up against a guy with a strong range and against one opponent with Kings. Because then they got Queens, Jacks, or Ace, King. I mean, obviously they have aces sometimes and you lose, but I mean, we're talking about all the positives here and you want to be up against those hands because it's very pretty easy to play. You know, they don't hit their set and you're going to win a whole bunch of money off of them. Right. Um, so if you're at a table that is going four, five, six ways to the flop, because you've got a lot of deep stacks or so you got people trying to see flops. I mean, I feel like uh, the free roll that we recorded last week, there was a lot of three, four ways. There's a lot of limping, a lot of people seeing flops, right? I mean, we talked about that. So this would maybe be a time where you don't raise your kings because you don't want to go in a single raise pot five ways to the flop. Maybe you limp and then hopefully somebody, you know, uh, squeezes or isolates or puts out a big raise to try and take down all the limpers. And that's when you can pounce with your queens or with your kings and play it a little more. Um, and, and at that point, you're just happy taking down all of that dead money pre-flop too. I mean, when you have 80 big blinds and, and you limp and another guy limps and the guy makes it five X and then maybe some, somebody, somebody calls in there cause they got a decent handle. Well, now you rip it all in for you, you make it 40 big blinds. You just, whatever you want to do, you're going to take down a hefty, hefty pot pre-flop because you played Kings the right way, as opposed to limp, uh, as opposed to just single raising with them. Everybody going to a flop flop comes four, five, six. What do you do now? Who knows? Cause I don't know what to do. Yeah. So, you know, now when we get up over this 100 big blind age, now we have flexibility to kind of play kings. However, the table, you know, tells us to play the kings. And that's going to be, you know, dependent on, you know, what's going on at your current table at the current time. So what do you got? Do you got anything about kings? I mean, you said 100 big blinds. You have no idea what you're doing, right? I don't, no. So, you know, for, for 100 bigs, you're, again, avoiding four to five-way flops where the ranges are wide because it's hard to navigate and put you in a difficult spot. Um, and then... Maybe this is why it's the easiest because I feel like when you have kings, no matter kind of where you're at in this spectrum, under 10 big blinds, 10 to 20 big blinds, 20 to 50 big blinds, 50 plus, uh, meaning like you're in the top 1% or 2% stacks of the tournament, basically the same kind of thing happens. Like it's typically like the chips are going to get all the way in with Kings. Um, They're that good. 
and you're really never folding them, especially since you right you have seventy percent equity versus a random hand. Um, the only time you you really want to kind of stray away from things is multi-way pots. So really, with kings, no matter where you're at in the spectrum of chip stacks, right? I mean, yeah, right, right. You're you're trying, yeah. You don't want to be in a multi-way to... pot. You want to isolate and get down to one person, and then that's really or it. two. A, a three-way pot's fine, but we're, ta- we're three definitely pot... fours, fives. Three-way pot is fine once you off. are in those top top two kind of ranges, meaning like you got chips to actually play with. Right, like I don't want to go yeah. th- three way flop yeah. when I have ten big blinds. That seems no. that sucks. No, when you when yeah, correct. I mean, you're spot on there. I think that um, you know, just avoiding these these the only ways kings are in tough situations is like those where you're deep and you're seeing a lot of people with uh, wide ranges and then they're hard to play because you feel like you're either stacking off with one pair and they got your beat or you're you're winning small pots. Right. Uh, with, with just taking down your kings, and that's kind of the kings where we don't want to see. Um, I think that also, kind of a higher level play is in order to like keep your range uncapped. And I mean, that's another one we could do a whole episode on. But it, it's very important to have your range uncapped. Meaning, a capped range means like, oh, well, they can only have this certain amount of hands. And I think just calling opens with kings when you're this deep and not three betting a it saves yourself from the three bet and then the guy four bets and then you five bet and then he six bets all in and now you're calling off with kings which is kind of puke worthy in general to get in the hundred big blinds in a six bet with kings because you know their range is probably aces and kings so you, you a avoid that uh, potential nightmare by just calling and you also keep your range uncapped because they know if, you, if you're going to three bet every single time you have kings well then you know they can discount kings when you just call oh you just called he's probably got jack 10 probably he never has the top of the top when but but you can uncap your range by just calling there sometimes and seeing a flop because you're so deep because you can navigate because you can play correctly pre-flop because your hand's so strong you know, you don't need to relentlessly pound. So I think, you know, as we're finding out here, when you get over 100 big blinds, this is where we're kind of talking about, I don't want to say, like, it's more like a cash game with Kings, right? Your options are endless. You have four different roads to go down and, and different lines to take, and you're going to need to choose the best one based on your table. Um, I mean, we're still getting in a bunch of a bunch. I mean, if, if somebody's willing to get 100 big blinds with me with Kings, un, unless it's a guy who's, you know, only got aces or Kings, it's still worth it. So I think we can just segue right into the math of folding Kings. And, you know, we've talked about never folding Kings for 100 big blinds. Well, when is it mathematically right to fold Kings? So let's say you got Kings and let's say you make it three big blinds. You raise standard race. Blinds are 500,000. You make it 3,000. Then your opponent makes it 9,000. Okay, he three, he three bets you. You're like, all right, sweet. I'm getting three bet with kings. This is amazing. Then you make it uh, 23 bigs. Okay, we're going to you know bump it up. We're going to four bet 23 bigs. Now he shoves 100 big blinds on you, 100,000 all in. You got 23 bigs in. It's 77 more bigs to call. You got the second best hand in Texas Hold'em. Kenny, what are you doing? I mean, I'm not good enough to fold. You're not good enough to fold. I'm I'm unwilling to fold. Okay, I like that answer. I, I'm that unwilling be- to fold. I I am willing to lose the tournament and safely I will go home with my head held high saying, you know what I lost? 
I, I lost with with Kings well, against Aces. Aces. And again, Aces what, Kings. What if I'm do? worried, right at that point, it's one of those like we always say, the hand plays itself. Like it is what it is. Like I'm not folding. Fuck it. It's like a game of chicken. I'm unwilling to to turn my wheel. So if you're also unwilling to do that, then we're gonna fucking we're gonna crash, and that's fine. And then we're gonna see what happens. Maybe I win sometimes. It's like I'm playing chicken with a semi truck with my cowboys and a little Miata. I'm the Miata. The aces are the semi truck. Like I, that seems like bad. But if I, you know, I can't see it. All I see are headlights out there, and that's kind of my my analogy. <laughs> I'm in a Miata, but I think it's much bigger, and I think I'm racing against some kid with two flashlights. That's what I'm hoping for. Sometimes it's a big, it's a big, it's a big freaking truck. So and you, and you just get squished like a bug. That stinks. So, I don't know what you were just talking about there with flashlights and headlights and kids and stuff, but you're right. So I, I'll tell you why you're right here with you know some math and so again, I I got to the right answer, but it's you, it's you the did. wrong way. Well, you know, it's the yeah. Ken way of getting to right. the answer. I know? don't know if it's the right way, but I got the right answer. I just if I had to show my work, they would go, hey, you know, I don't think that's right. Go ahead. I don't think that's right. It's like you cheated because you got the right answer. I didn't cheat. Yeah, I just, this is just my weird, weird Ken way. You don't need to do it like that. Just do it this way. So if, if in this exact instance, 77 more thousand to call, and the math backs it up, as long as they have a single other hand in their range, short of aces and kings, you're supposed to call. So there's one okay. combo of kings. Left I've never thought about that. Slow down. You. Say that again. I'm slowing down. Yeah, I'm say slowing. it again. I'm going slow. You, you want me to say what I just said again? Yeah, say what you just said on? again, but slower. I forgot what I just said. Okay, I got it. So as long as the player has any other hand in their range besides aces and kings, it's the correct call. So the only way it would be an incorrect call is if you can tell me that the guy's range is simply the one combination of kings left because you have kings. So the only other combination is the one combo of kings and then the six combos of aces that are out, out there. If he has one of those seven combinations of hands, if he only has one of those seven, the six combos of aces and the one kings, then it's a fold. If you if they ever have ace king, if they ever have queens, if they ever have ace king suited, whatever, if they if they have any other hand in their range, the math swings to a call, even for a hundred big blinds. So that tells you right there how sure you have to be to fold kings because mathematically it's probably incorrect to fold. You have to be 100% sure they have aces. They can't have anything else. Ace, king of hearts can't have that. Queens, they can't have that because if they ever have that, then you're supposed to call. And I would say that the majority of players no, it's interesting. Have, the only reason have I... queens have ace, king in their range. Yeah. I've never thought of poker that way, and I think that's why I like it. I've never thought of like I can. The only way I can fold here is if if I can if I can put him on if I can't put him on his only hand that he could possibly have and make these moves is aces. Is he capable of doing this with ace king or Any, kings? Maybe he's got the other two kings. Maybe he's got queens. Maybe he's a suicide bomber and he's got tens. I don't know. Correct. But you got to be able to look at your opponent, base the things on what you've watched at the table. Um, so I guess that that question gets super difficult. Let's throw in a weird scenario. Let's say you just got your table broke. You were in the room at Paris. You got just moved to the shitty room in Bally's, which I really hope they improve on. Um, 
get into Bally's, you sit down, and your first hand as you're unracking your chips, you look down, are two Black Kings. And that same scenario comes out where there's a bet, a three bet, a four bet, five bet, all in, and then you're looking at your chips going, what do I do here? You don't have any information to make that. At that point, as you just say, I guess just fuck it. If I lose with Kings, I can. it's a better story. I'm always looking for a good story, so that's my problem. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to bust the main, it's kind of aces versus kings. I mean, that it's a good way. Nobody's to... gonna be like, "Oh man, you should have folded kings." You're an idiot, right? Come on, dude, wait for a better spot. No, I'm right. telling Nobody you, the math, the math literally says even with and this is think of it this way: this is an extreme situation. This is a hundred bigs, and this is only aces. This is the only way you should ever fold. So when we're talking about anything less than that, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 bigs. I mean, the math becomes even greater. I mean, really, the, we're saying the only way you can fold kings is if you're 100% certain the guy has aces. And there has to be a very specific player type. Even the Knicks, even the tight guys. Right. Queens are one of the hands the tight guys love. The tight guys don't play many hands. Queens are in that range of hands they play. So basically, more of this story is the math telling you not to fold. And then we're telling you not to fold because it's a good story if you do bust aces versus kings. So it's like a win-win. It's a win-win. You can't lose. Or you lose and you got a story. (laughs) Right. You can't lose. What did you pay for? I paid for a better story is what I paid for. And and you'll you'll hear poker players, you know, Daniel, I've correctly folded kings. I've I've folded kings preflop four times and I was right. Okay. But in that scenario... In that scenario, probably the correct he, times where he, he knew, aces. right? He could only put the guy on one hand and that one hand with aces and uh, you can't go up against it. You, you just can't do it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So that kind of takes us to the, that's the kind of the, the wrap on the pre-flops. You, you Holy know. shit. We're just through pre-flop. Well, the post-flop's pretty easy. This is what makes Kings easy. The oh, I don't know. This is, is all pre-flop. Easy. I gotcha. Or this is pre-flop I mean, this is and pre-flop. post-flop. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked about having some flops and stuff and, and right. SPRs and getting it in. But this is just the general the general rules for, for Kings is, is we're getting the money in and we're doing we're getting the money in by shoving it when you got 10 bigs. If you want to try and limp shove around the 20 bigs and get cute, that's cool. But I mean, anywhere in this 50, 80 bigs and under, we're just trying to pile as much money in as we can. Get it to heads up. Get it to three ways. Obviously, see a safe board because so many times you got kings and ace comes up there and then you're frozen. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Um, If you are super deep with 100 bigs, that unlocks your ability to flat call instead of three bet because, A, you don't want to stack off for 180, 200 bigs, you know, when, when all of a sudden now, you know, their hands are are larger and larger and larger up their range scale um, when you can simultaneously uncap your range and, and, and make your opponents confused and, and, and mixed up. And when you play Kings this way, this makes your other hands easier to play too. So this is kind of like, it's more than just playing Kings because your whole entire poker strategy and structure of your game, um, you know, will help your premium hands be played you know, more efficiently. So that's kind of the pre-flop area. The post-flop area is kind of just like, well, when do I fold Kings? When, when do, when can I get away from Kings after the flop? And I think, you know, the big question mark for most of the players is how do I play Kings when an ace comes on the board? Right. Give us that one. I'm dying to know what the answer is. This one's hard. I mean, this one is like the only thing that makes 
King's hard in this whole entire episode is you raise your Kings, you go three ways to the flop, and it comes ace eight four. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now what? So uh, I actually read an article on Poker News where, and I've never, this kind of blew my mind. They They basically said, you can decide on what to do with Kings on an ace high board based on the other two cards on the flop. And you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're holding Kings and you see an ace, you're just tilted because the ace comes. How often do you ever pay attention to the other two cards? Never, never. Right. Well, now you're going to, you're going to start doing it today because they basically, you know, said a general rule is the more connected and, um, the the wetter the board is with the ace, the more likely you're gonna want to be betting and see betting with your kings, because the player is more likely to have other things connected to those other two cards, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, ace, I, I've nine, never deuce, thought of that. ace ace nine deuce rainbow. That's a spot where we can maybe check our kings because their continuing range is probably going to be full of aces and not much else. The nine and the, you know what I mean? And and we played a raised pot. So the wheel three fours and three fives and four fives, those aren't in their range. So, you know, when it's ace, nine, deuce rainbow. Okay, cool. Let's check. A, we can check because that strengthens our checking range. We have a Kings. We have, we have the second best pair on the board in our checking range that, that, keeps us uncapped that keeps us keeps our opponent on their toes at the same time we're not going to get value from much besides aces when the board is ace nine eight two hearts maybe now is the time where we should be see betting and putting more chips in because there's more hands that they're going to continue with that don't have an ace in them right and i've never thought of it that way and that's kind of crazy to think about. No, I cool. mean, do you agree? Do you do you Absolutely. have anything? Are you going to say anything? Or no? I'm kind of learning for once, and that's not something that happens very often in my. Oh, house. because you're smart, or because I'm. I mean, I like to think of myself as the smartest man, typically in every room I walk into. <laughs> I mean, currently, I'm the smartest man in this room. Now, I was about to say you're the only I'm one. I'm the only there. one in the room, but still, I would still give myself a top pretty pretty uh, high one. rating right you, you could be kings you only got aces in the room you're in i mean you're, you're sometimes that miata stands up to that semi truck and it gets through <laughs> it's not off so but it happens so, ace high boards look at the other two cards try to find some hands in their range where they'll put chips in that don't include an ace you know if it's nine eight of hearts well you got the jack tens you got the queen jacks of hearts you got the you got all your heart draws you got all your gutter balls you got all of your you know combo draws all and i mean again you know they have a lot of equity against you but these are the time these are the hands that you want to still get value from your kings on an ace and i think it's pretty safe to assume that when an ace comes you're your visions of getting it all in fist pumping are pretty much dead. I mean, that is the the catch twenty two with the ace on there. No longer is your hand so strong where you're comfortable bet bet betting, or you know, you're not you're no longer taking this pre flop approach of I'm trying to get as much money in here as possible because I got kings. That right. kind of gets thrown out the window. Now we're navigating the hand of all right. 
you know, an ace came out, you know, they definitely have some aces in their range. How am I going to, A, get value from hands that don't have an ace without getting soaked from all the hands that are an ace? And, um, you know, continuing on boards that have connectivity and are wetter with the ace is going to help you get some value. And I mean, a lot of times you're going to go check, check, turn and check, check river. And obviously it helps when you're playing in position, but I mean, you you can't really control that with Kings. You're going to play Kings. If you're in position, out of position, any position we're playing Kings. So, you know, you're just going to have to be more, more aware that, you know, they have all their stuff, but aces. And when they don't, this is a great time to just lay them, lay them down. And, you know, maybe they have Kings, maybe they have Queens. You're right. Maybe they have Jack 10. I mean, maybe you can see if, you know, I've never thought of it. Typically, all I ever think about when I have Kings is no, he's no, he's no, he's no, he's no, he's no, he's fuck ace. I don't need, I don't, it's like the other two cards don't exist. Uh, all I see, it's like the window card and that's it. And I don't see anything else. And pff, that's all game over, folks. And then I'm like, mother, blah, 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 I can't believe I lost with Kings. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Was it was a that's that's my poker talk for what happens. All right, so I get it. There are times I like the idea of when an ace comes out, you get to look at the other cards. What are our other our pre pre post flop items? So so um, bet sizing is pretty important. Obviously, we are now taking into account our SPR, but a lot of these times we're going to be you know deeper where SPR is not. SPR doesn't matter when it's 10, 9, 8, 11, 12. Anything above like four is all kind of the same. You know, it's way up there. It's too high for SPR to be relevant because anything from 4 to 15 is all kind mm-hmm. of the same, right? It doesn't really matter if the SPR is 4 or 15. You're going to be doing taking the same line. So um, I do think that you want to, you know, we're going to talk about boards that don't have an ace on it, which is a lot of other boards. Let's say it comes 10-5 deuce, rainbow. Obviously, great slot for king. Kenny, there's 10,000 in the pot. You're the pre-fraud laser. Your head's up in position against the guy, and it's 10-5 deuce. He checks. How much are you betting into a 10K pot with kings? Let's say you got um, 70,000 back. How much are you going to bet? I always do fractionals. So I would do half to three quarters. Okay. So why not a full pot? Why not 10K? I'm always afraid to bet the full pot because I feel like that's not going to get me a call. It's too much, and I want to call at that point, right? That's my thoughts. It's a 10-high board. I have kings. It's not super wet. I'm willing to see a turn card here. Um, banana flop, which is uh, the same as rainbow. I used to have a guy call it a banana flop, and I love it. I still call it that. That's 25 years ago. Um, so my thought is, is, how much can I bet and still get him to call is my playing. That's my I, my thought. Right so that's or wrong, correct. that's what I'm thinking. That, no, that, that that's absolutely correct. And I don't goes back. I don't think statement. he calls it at the full pot. Now, maybe I again, I'm I have a tendency to impose my own feelings and emotions onto my playing opponent, and I I, I have a hard time separating those. But it's that's one of the hardest things in poker. We can honestly yeah. have a whole lot because if I'm on a drawing it's not hand, what you would do because you're playing a different guy. Correct. It's what he would do. Yeah, I wouldn't call there. So I would call at half to three quarters of a pot. Um, depending on my stack size, meaning if I had a pretty healthy stack, I'd call up to three quarters of the pot. But if the guy bets the pot and I'm on a, you know, open ender, eh, I don't know. I'm not really willing to do it anymore. I think it's so, pocket's too big. So that is 
what you just said right there is exactly correct. And it brings back to my point earlier where you have to be okay with, um, you have to be okay with, you know, losing your Kings going down in flames. If it's, if it's 10, five deuce, you want three, four to, to continue. You don't want to price them out. And like you right. said, I, I open ender full pot. I, I'll just get rid of it. Well, what happens if you bet full pot on 10, five deuce, the only hands that end up continuing are kind of hands that have you beat. Right. You don't really right? want you know, them you, to play. You, you don't really, you don't really, because by the end, if you go pot on the flop, pot on the turn, all in on the river, the only hands there ever happen is pocket tens, pocket fives, pocket right. deuces. And hands that I stacked. can't beat. Right. So you want to bet smaller because you want to invite in hands that you're currently beating. And that's tough for some people to get because you want them to, sh- to show up with five, six, ten, nine, ten, eight, three, four open enders, you know, pairs and backdoor flush draws, pairs and gutters, whatever the case may be. You want all those hands to continue because you're smashing those hands. Some of the time you're going to go down in flames with kings because the turn's going to come six and they're going to hit their open ender. But you need to be okay with that. Because of all the other times the turn comes a queen, and then you're going to you get paid you, off on, and you, right. you get paid, and then okay, so the turn comes a queen, you bet half pot again. They're like, now nah, come along with three, four, my open ender, and then the river comes a brick, and you check back and win, or you bet again and they fold, and all those times make up for the times when they smash you on the turn and or smash you on the river, or or continue with ten eight, and the river is just an eight, and they make two pair on you, and then they get value from you. I mean, you you need to what it is. be yeah. okay with losing knowing that you know you printed these theoretical chips so i mean that that you're right you, you don't want to bet too big you kind of want to be inviting um and then i think really the last thing we need to talk about is kind of when we talked about ace high flops we talked about dry flops and you don't want to bet too big because if you bet too big you know all of a sudden you're narrowing their range down to a range that beats you um, what do you do on like the coordinated flops, the six, five, fours, the, the 10, nine, eights, the, the flops where sure there's no ACE, but you know, those are also not the easiest. And those, I think it's a general rule, just to air with caution. It's okay to check back in the three-way pot on seven, six, five. Okay. You don't always need to protect your hand. You like, you don't always have to, you, you, you can lay in. Oops, sorry. You can lay in the weeds a little bit and, you know, you can play small pots with kings. And, and again, it's like playing, it's like playing aces in PLO. Sometimes you're okay with just yeah, seeing the it's, flop. It's you very funny you say it because if you when I get, get away with it, right, I get aces in PLO, I'm not that excited. I get aces in Texas Hold'em. I mean, it's a whole different like feeling. It is, but you, you need to be aware that when, when you know you raise in middle position and the small blind comes along and the big blind comes along and it's seven six three seven six four right. nine eight deuce all these flops that kind of hit your opponent's calling range from out of position from the blinds from those situations while you you need to check back your kings you need to play your kings kind of slower because a it uncapture range again which makes it so you don't only have those hands you can have hands like kings and you're checking back and also you know you you, you can just give up sometimes when you don't get put to harder decisions because what, what happens on 984 when you see continuous kings and then you get raised from the small blind well, now you're in a tough spot. We're only on the flop. We have two more streets. You have one pair, right. and we're deep. 
And, and so you can avoid those spots by saying, eh, I'll pot control, I'll check it back, you know, as much as you think, well, oh, I'm not protecting here against they're calling they're calling a lot anyways. So there's not much to protect. You, you miss out on some value, but that missed value protects you from losing so much more value in bloated pots, in pots where you only show up with one pair on the river. So you kind of need to be, you know, aware of the ranges of the other people and if they can exploit you from that on the 765s, on the Jack 10-4s, on the 10-9-8, 7-8, all those coordinated flops that's going to hit these guys' ranges, it's okay to play it slow. You're never going to get three streaks of value anyways. So just try to find one streak of value while protecting or not while protecting the size of the pot. You're, you're not protecting Don't your get hand. greedy, you're, right. It's you're you're leaving your hand exploited, but it's okay because it's going to be for a small pot. And I know it's frustrating. You get kings, you get chased down by 7-4 hearts. It sucks. But every time you get chased down by 7-4 hearts, you want it to be the small pot. And right. every, time you, every time they have 10s, you just max them out for three streaks of value. I mean that that's kind of uh kings in a nutshell. It's kind of easy to play. Not not too many difficult spots. It's the ace high boards and the multi ways where you're gonna get yourself into trouble. So those are the times you're towards the side of caution. Right. Use bet sizing, your ranges and SPR all to your advantage to you know decide how to navigate through with the kings. I think the one the one thing when in doubt just don't fold. Yeah, I think (laughs) right, right. Play that chicken race. I liked the idea of post-flop play that I've never thought about with Kings is, or I'm sorry, pre-flop, where you were talking about the idea of can you only put them on one hand and that one hand being aces, in which case that's the only time it is okay to fold Kings. If there's any inclination that they could have a second hand, you really should be calling, right? Correct. And I, I and I and this is specifically, you know, hundred bigs plus. The 80, 80 bigs yeah. plus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Anything short of that. I mean there's an no, old tight right. guy could never play a hand. I have twenty bigs. He can show me an ace and I ain't folding kings for right. twenty bigs. Don't care. When he shows me an ace. Doesn't matter. Cool. You got aces? Nice right. hand, sir. You win. If you beat me, you beat me. That's it. I like and it. In summary, that's why aces versus kings is the most common cooler. Is just it's because the one that tops up the most, where neither player can do anything about it. So it's okay. It's like a, it's like the one cooler where you're like, all right, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> Nobody will think poorly of you if you get knocked out with kings. Uh, all right, that's going to conclude how to play better. How to play your kings better? And I, I don't even know if it's that's what it is. It's just an idea of of, of how to how to make kings Think about. feel less, you know, difficult to play. Because um, again, I, I said in the last episode, everybody looks at their first king, and what's the first thing you think of? I hope you match, 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 king, 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 and then you know, and after that, you're thinking an ace, and then really that's it. And those are both hands that are on the list of the top six most difficult premium hands to play, and and that's that's the conversation. So I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, episode seventy three, I think. What are we talking about next week? On what's the next on the list? I think it's aces. Is it aces? It's aces or queens. It's queens. It's queens. Yeah, I think it goes kings, queens, aces. Yeah, jacks, ace, king, tens. Jacks, ace, king, tens. All right, that's what we're going with regardless of what it is. Queens is up next. Okay. 
Queens next week. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, uh, The Overlay. Please make sure you subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you find your podcast enjoyment. Uh, come and see us in Chicago at a CCG event. Come and see us in Houston at a Paramount Social Club tournament. Always great tournaments in Houston. Always great tournaments and cash games in um, Chicago. I guess there's great cash games in Houston as well, but... Uh, yeah, awesome poker rooms. We wouldn't support either of them if they weren't any good. I wouldn't be doing this uh, so much if it if it wasn't any good, right? Right. That's the point. I mean, I'd probably still be doing it if it sucked, but you know, that's just me. You're right. Yeah, it's diff- that's the difference. The game. It's the difference. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch you next time. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Lead us out, Brando. Farewell. Never fold kings. Never.